This episode of Atomic Geekdom is brought to you by PennantChase.com, the home of free baseball simulation leagues. Sign up today and join a variety of leagues featuring every player from the history of Major League Baseball. Thanks and enjoy the show. episode of the Atomic Kingdom Podcast. My name is Dave. My name is JD. And I'm Jenny. And today we have an awesome show for you. Another great interview with another great guest. I don't know how we got to be so lucky to have all these cool people come on our show, but it's happening and there's more to come. But this was a lot of fun. And uh, today we're going to bring you our interview with Andy Weir, the author of The Martian, best uh, New York Times bestseller and soon-to-be major motion picture, The Martian. Uh, we have to give, I have to give all credit, JD probably does too, to Jenny for putting us onto this book. Um, she's been talking about it for a long time on the podcast. It's so fun. you got to get it if you haven't read it. Uh, so I, I'm not going to do any delay here. We're just going to jump right into it, JD. Go ahead and say it. Here's our interview with Andy Weir, guys. Andy Weir. Joining us today is author of the New York Times bestseller and soon-to-be major motion picture, The Martian. He comes to us via a NASA transmission from Mars, so expect at least a 20-minute delay between responses. We're extremely thankful and excited to have Andy Weir on the podcast. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Thanks for having me. Uh, We're we're so happy to have you on the show. (laughs) Thanks. As much as we can, we talk about your book on this podcast. <laughs> well, great. I appreciate it. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, just basically, well, we, we're, we're a geek website, geek podcast. We talk all things comic books, science fiction, uh, nerdy stuff, too. So, uh, you know, I, I'd like to ask, uh, I usually ask this to all our guests of their geek cred. You know, obviously, you have this, <laughs> this amazing science fiction book. Um but it's it's mo- so much more than that. But what else? What else do you like? Like uh, I I think you like computer programming. I'd say that's pretty geeky. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I I spent 25 years programming computers as my job. I I only quit uh, just last year to go full time on the writing. I'm also uh, a board game geek. I'm way into board games. I play a lot of them. And uh, you know I'm a I'm a science fiction fan. So I, I pretty uh, you know pretty heavy into the various geeky hobbies. <laughs> I have to ask, what's your favorite board game? <laughs> oh, you know that changes from month to month, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Right now, I've been playing a lot of Hanabi, um, which is a cooperative game where you're trying to play cards in the correct order. Um, I just I just got a new game called uh, Neue Heimat, which is a, a German game. I don't think it's been released in the U.S. yet. That one's pretty cool. Although the old standbys I love are like Power Grid and Zolkine, and uh, sometimes I'll still play Settlers of Catan, but I played that out so much. I played so many million games of that, I actually got a little sick of it. <laughs> How about you guys? Are you guys board gamers at all? Uh, I am just getting into it because of this. I'm more of a book nerd and 
totally television. But um, uh-huh. yeah, all the guys are always trying to get me to do something. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely into Settlers of Catan. And my favorite one right now that my friends are playing is Munchkin. So that's going yeah. pretty fun. <laughs> Uh, I've played Ticket to Ride. That's the only board game I've played huh? recently. <laughs> so, TTR is a good one. I like that one. Yeah, we have fun with that. Yeah. Um, in terms of books, uh, Jenny, uh, I'm I'm into uh, the old classics. Like the uh, so when I was growing up, my uh, my dad had a bookshelf that was like six feet high, three feet wide, and a foot deep, and it was just jam packed full of old classic sci-fi. So like. Um, stuff from his generation, stuff from the 50s and 60s and, and early 70s. And so that's kind of what I grew up reading. So I'm about one generation off of what, what you might expect. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of Heinlein and Clark and Asimov. Oh, very good. Yeah, I, I can relate. I have My father is quite a bit older than most people expect. So I grew up with not sci-fi, but Westerns. I think I've read every Louis L'Amour book out there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I think if you were a kid in the 50s, you're automatically a fan of Western. Oh, it's a given. That and Clint Eastwood. <laughs> mm-hmm. And John Wayne. And John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, what got you into writing? Well, I've just always, I've always wanted to be a writer, I think. I mean, even when I was a kid, I'd write crappy little short stories. Uh, <laughs> it was fun. But I also wanted to eat regularly and not live in a box under an under- overpass. So <laughs> like, when, it, when, when the time came to pick a career, when I was going to college, I'm like, okay, I'll go with computer programming. And I really like programming. I mean, don't get me wrong. I left programming to follow my dream of being a writer because I finally had, you know, a chance the way The Martian worked out. Um I'm getting a call. I'm going to send that off to voicemail. <laughs> uh, when, uh, when, so once the Martians started to make money, I realized that I could do this as a living. But, uh, you know, I didn't, I, I, I wasn't eager to leave the software industry. I, I, I really liked programming. I, so it was like I left a job I liked for a job that I would like more. I, I, computer programming was never my thing. I've always been in the computers, uh, and I was going to do computer science as a major when I graduated high school. But uh, once I figured out how much math was behind it, I said no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I went to the IT side of things. Ah, the there pro- you go. Programming That's... just wasn't for me. But I, 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 I totally feel the the appeal towards it if I didn't have to do all the the math and the. See, I like the math. The thing that drives me crazy is the domain knowledge. So IT is the opposite of <laughs> yeah. what I want. IT is all just sheer knowledge, right? It's just right. like if I don't have to do any thinking, I can just regurgitate stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the way it goes. Uh, I I love problem solving. Yeah, I, troubleshooting is is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, so okay, so now that you you can you follow this dream of being a writer. Uh, you mentioned some of your favorite authors there. Were those the ones that influenced you, obviously? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, those those writers I read growing up. Also, um, others like uh, Piers Anthony, to a certain extent. I, I just kind of the imagination factor of his of his books I liked a lot. Although it's kind of funny. When I was a kid, well, so I'm like, I'm 42. Um, when I was a, a kid in the 80s, I was reading the Incarnations of Immortality series. 
it went as they came out and I really liked them. And then later on in life around 2000, I said like, Oh, I'll reread all those. And I was like, Oh man, these are like really sexist. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's like, it's funny. Cause I didn't even notice when I was like a teenager, I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, yay. You know, this guy can go through time. But now I'm like, Oh my God, I, 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 I don't know. So, so sometimes I get some, uh, squick and cringe factors, but, you know, what's weird is, like, I automatically forgive it when I see that stuff, you know, from a book – in a book that's from, like, 1952. I'm like, okay, well, that's just kind of how society was back then. You can't blame someone from then for not following the morals we have now. Sure. But you you can blame someone from the 1980s for not following the morals we had in the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's that fine line with the, between the 50s and the 80s. So like when you get to the 70s, like the late 60s, early 70s, you get the whole Barbarella type look. And yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> there that, was a that, lot more boobs. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also like, I mean, when I say I like Heinlein, what I like is early Heinlein. Later Heinlein is just sort of soft porn, right? Right. Oh, that uh, makes me laugh so much. But well, it is. I mean, he got into a serious, dirty old man phase. They're well-written books, but it's just like okay, putting putting Fifty Shades of Grey to shame. Uh, yeah, a little, a little bit. I mean, have you ever read Friday? <laughs> I have. Or, yeah, so that one where she's just boinking her way across. I mean, it's a fun book, but I'm like, yeah, okay, that one's for you know late at night reading when you're alone, and then. Um, and then there was also, uh, I think it was like, I Shall Fear No Evil, or I think that one was what it's called, about an old man who gets a brain transplant into a young woman's body and then just starts banging everybody. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds oh. terrifying, because just the difference between a man, it, yeah. <laughs> what was the name of that book? I Shall Fear No Evil. Jenny's got to read it now on I her totally top, top read reading it. book list. Yeah, you might. You, yep. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's awesome. So I, I have to ask. I've I've had a kind of a, a passion. Not a, not my, It's not my dream, but I've always had a passion to kind of write a story. Um, so when you write your stories, are you kind of uh, – is it just an idea you get and then do you do an outline or do you kind of start with character backstories and the basic plot and work from there? Or how do you kind of like to write? I, I, I kind of start and then just start moving forward. So I don't really know exactly how the story is going to go when I start. I mean, I, I have a general idea for, okay, here's the conclusion I'd like, but how we get there, I'm not sure. And sometimes I might even be, I might even say like, well, that conclusion doesn't even make sense anymore. I, I've got to change it. Um, as for characters, I'm actually not very good at making characters. Like all my characters are actually pretty two dimensional. I mean, people like Mark Watney because he's a smart ass and he's, you know, kind of funny and <laughs> stuff like that, but he's not deep. No one, no one would ever accuse the Martian of being like, you know, literature. Right? <laughs> he's, he doesn't undergo any real change during the course of the book. He's got the same personality and ideals at the end as he had at the beginning. So I guess for my characters, I just want to make um, uh, characters that the reader can kind of enjoy following along. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's not like, a, um, how do I put it? This is not some artistic decision I've made. It's just sort of a, a limitation that I have right now. <laughs> uh, oftentimes, I'll come up with character ideas that are unassociated with stories, and then I'll just kind of have a like a mental catalog of characters. Then later on, I'll be like, ooh, I need a scientist, or oh, I, I need a cop, and I've got this cop concept, and I'll just pull pull that character in. 
So going back to like how you said that like some of your books you just kind of like fill in was the Martian one of those books that kind of like fell into place or did you have to like by the end like change a little bit of stuff to like make it work how you wanted? I did have to go back and you know do edits of course, but uh, for the most part it just kind of rolled forward from the beginning. Uh, once again that that's a case where I I knew roughly how I wanted it to end, but I didn't know exactly how he'd get there, and. I, I tried to make each problem flow from the solutions to his last problem. Like, okay, he had this problem, so he fixed it this way. Well, because he did that, because he did that, now he has this new problem, and so on. Because I didn't want him to just get, you know, really unlucky over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask though, um, what's your personal views on potatoes, discos, and seventies TV? <laughs> well, I like potatoes as much as the next person, right? I mean. <laughs> Gotta love French fries and love scalloped <laughs> potatoes. I'm the I'm a fiend at Thanksgiving with mashed potatoes, so I like them. Although I don't think I'd like them as my only meal every day for a couple <laughs> years. Yeah, I mean, with no gravy, uh, come on, <laughs> no gravy. Yeah, terrible. And then uh, uh, '70s TV. Well, I grew up watching a lot of that. You know, that's when I was a, a little kid, and so I still have a soft spot for it. And then uh, disco. Well, I like it. I'll admit, <laughs> I'm a disco fan, and my friends give me so much crap about it. <laughs> so it was your it was your playlist that was stuck on that computer. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I got I got one buddy of mine. His name is Sam, and he's uh, he's a big uh, Van Halen fan. I mean, that's that's his main thing, and he he, he likes that that category of music. And um, so he 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 would joke around, and he'd say things like, "Well, Andy, don't you know that the the Earth has the Van Halen belt, which protects it from harmful disco radiation from space." <laughs> And <laughs> uh, I love that. My friend Brandon would love that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, yeah, I got to admit, I, when I was reading it and he was talking about how bad Three's Company was or how he's not ready to watch it, I, I, I disagreed. <laughs> <laughs> you like Three's Company? Uh, yeah, I grew up with, I mean, I'm, I'm a child of the 80s, so I grew up with the reruns. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, lo- I loved all the mentions and and just the, you know, the the... The, the nods to those shows. That was great. I enjoyed that. Yeah, Three's yeah my company dad was, would. Sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, Three's Company always turned out to be like some misunderstanding. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's like every episode. My dad would constantly quote Mr. Roper <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I can't remember. Did he have a lot of good one-liners? It, he he didn't, but it was just the attitude. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. This is totally out of my league. I have never seen Three's Company, so I'm just <laughs> JD is the child of our podcast. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, that stuff came way before me, way yeah, before well, I was even thought about. Yeah. Well, most of the disco music that I listen to is, you know, made either before I was born or when I was too young to, you know, appreciate it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> how about sci-fi TV shows? Who likes what? Oh, I'm a big Ooh. sci-fi fan. I recently finished Fringe, and that that took up a majority of my chunk of time. That and Battlestar Galactica. Uh, the the new Battlestar? Or? Both, actually. Well, I really like the old one. You went back and watched the original. I did, because I love the new one so much. I was like, I have to watch the original. I just have to. <laughs> there you go. That's 70s TV for you. Yeah. I, uh, I can't I'm a- pass up a Twilight Zone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Oh, when I uh, so I, I grew up in the Bay Area, and when I was like in the '80s, 
every I think it was Labor Day weekend, might have been Memorial. It was one of the three day weekends, and uh, a, a local channel would um, would run a, a Twilight Zone marathon for that whole weekend every year. And so oh, it was just they, PBS yeah. does it on over the Christmas. They do two oh. weeks of nothing but Twilight Zone now. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, speaking of TV and uh, Mark Watney, uh, he's basically the MacGyver of Mars. Did you do any MacGyver research before preparing to write him? Well, not not on the show explicitly. <laughs> of course, I of course I watched MacGyver. Oh, of I course, was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Got to love those kinds of like you know that resourcefulness is fun. <laughs> and then you you had mentioned that the disco it was kind of your playlist and uh, <laughs> is are you like is Mark Watney part of you like is that like your personality? Uh, yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, I'm certainly a smartass, but um, <laughs> he's he's basically all the things I like about me magnified. So he's <laughs> he's better at all the things that I like about myself, and he has none of my flaws. Right. So he's kind of like <laughs> he's kind of like what I wish I was. Right. <laughs> there, that's fair. So yeah, you, so I, I think um, all main characters are someone the author wants to be or someone the author wants to screw. <laughs> Usually, how it works out. And, yeah. Uh, for the record, I want to be Mark Watney. There we go. <laughs> the air is cleared. Yes. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I I forgot where I was going to go with that question. <laughs> Come on, uh, Dave, oh. pull it together. <laughs> uh okay so yeah i kind of wanted to go back to the so the playlist and and the dis and the 70s tv show if you got stuck on mars uh is the disco playlist what you would bring want stuck with you uh yeah sure i guess so <laughs> i get asked that question a lot and i never really know how to answer because if the scenario is i'm stuck on mars for you know 500 souls <laughs> then it doesn't matter what i bring i'm gonna be sick of it by the end right right <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's like the audiobook version of like you know the collected works of every author everywhere, you know. <laughs> Presuming I have some limited capacity, it's like yeah, I, I would run out. I, I'd get really sick of it. Same with TV shows. Sure, sure. Although I mean, I've rewatched so many shows. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't get sick of it. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I could pick, uh, sometimes like you know, people ask me, well, what TV show? If you could only have one, I would say, uh, well, I'd want to pick something with a lot of content. So that, you know, once I've watched it all, when I start it over again, I will have forgotten some of it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So something like maybe Friends, you know, sure. <laughs> Ten seasons. Yeah. 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 Those. Yeah. There you go. Ten seasons of anything. Smallville. You can watch Smallville over and over and really hate it. Yeah. I got about five <laughs> seasons into that before I gave up on it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> here's a here's a question for you. So. If you're reading up on all the stuff where they're talking about actually sending people to Mars, would you want to be a part of that expedition? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I write about brave people. I'm not I'm not one of them. <laughs> I've never. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually like I'm afraid of flying. So. Oh my God. Yeah. So. Orbit would be terrifying then. Yeah, I can't even imagine. It's just no. That's not for me. I am in. <laughs> earthbound misfit for sure <laughs> we had a we had a conversation about this and i was kind of in the same i'm like somebody else can do that i, I want somewhere where there's trees and rain <laughs> i'll watch live I, feed from nasa that's how my point of view is i'll watch it yeah i'll watch live feed from nasa i'll be i'll i'll, I'll stay up all night to watch it 
<laughs> all right, I'll go. Yeah, you go. Dave, you can be the chivalrous one out of all of us. That's getting right. there, saving our co- saving the earth. Yes. I have never been on a plane. Not not because I'm afraid, but I've just never <laughs> never been on one. Well, you might as well go right to the top. Let's just no jump plane, right to... just straight to a spaceship. Right. Yeah, he won't even take a plane to the launch pad. He'll just take a train to the launch pad. He doesn't want to ruin his perfect record. Exactly. (laughs) Go big or go home. (laughs) That's how we do it. (laughs) Uh, Okay, one of my favorite writers when growing up was Michael Crichton. Uh Uh, And a lot of his books have a lot of science in it, as as your book does, has tons of of science. And I I had the, the feeling he did a ton of research on that. And I got that feeling from your book as well. Uh, was that just a ton of time researching botany and space space exploration? And yep, uh, just uh, tons and tons of Google search and tons and tons of math. Uh, <laughs> one thing that helped was, I mean, when I originally wrote the book, I was posting it a chapter at a time to my website, and so I had regular readers who were reading it as a serial. And a lot, my my readers are pretty scientifically minded folks, so whenever I did got anything wrong. Science-wise, they would they would tell me right away. <laughs> so, so then the book is like pretty much, or I mean, it's like not factual, but like it's plausible. Like what Mark Watney did then. Yeah, it's very plausible. Since then, so I, I didn't have any contacts in aerospace or anything like that when I wrote it. It's just Google searches and and online geek readers like me. But um, <laughs> since then, I've gotten you know email from you know chemistry professors and astronauts and stuff like that. And yeah, there are subtle errors in the book like <laughs> that I you know I haven't learned about. <laughs> yeah, we saw your posts about Neil deGrasse Tyson and yes. uh, Sandstorm. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. <laughs> he's gonna get me when the movie comes out i bet you he has a some sort of post about it <laughs> hey that's still great that someone like him would read read your book that's sweet yeah well i don't know if he'll read the book but i bet you he watches the movie maybe maybe the audiobook yeah maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where uh okay were you surprised at the success uh excuse me the six i can't speak the success of the book yeah, yeah, I was. I really never expected it to have any sort of broad appeal. Um, so I'd been writing short stories and stuff to my website for many years, and I had, like I said, I accumulated a few thousand regular readers, and they were all like science dorks. So I wrote this book with a science dork readership in mind. I was, I assumed that it would only appeal to people who are like way into the details and the math. I thought I was writing for this 0.1% of the population, but it Turns out people liked it, and they just kind of – the people who aren't interested in the math or physics just skim those pages and then move back into the story. And I, I never would have thought that's how it would pan out. I'm, I'm Obviously, I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> so how quick was like the book optioned into film like after it hit like mainstream success? Was that like something that was like instantly – like as soon as people heard about it, like people were like, oh, we need to make a movie out of The Martian kind of thing? Pretty much. Um, so I, I – so it took me three years to write the book, first off, posting it a chapter at a time. Then when I was done with that, I, I you know, I had it on my website for a while and people wanted an ebook version. So I made an ebook version and then people didn't know how to download the ebook version and put it on their <laughs> Kindles. So uh, I made a Kindle version and Amazon forced me to charge 99 cents. You're not allowed to give stuff for, away for free. Um and so it sold really well and got into the top sellers, and that got the attention of Random House. And so I ended up with an agent, something that I'd failed my whole life to get. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Random House, you know, offered a print deal. 
And that same week that I that we uh, agreed on the print deal, we also got uh, the offer from 20th Century Fox. So that was like the the print deal and the movie deal came like the same week. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it was selling it was selling on Kindle for I put it up in late September, very late September 2012. So basically, October, November, December, January, February, March. So about about five between five and six months. It was early March when we made the print and movie deals. I kind of can't think of a better way for that to happen. Like you did it all on your own. That's that's yep. the best part. I think that's amazing. It was awesome. It was like literally a dream come true. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like everybody when you're writing something, you fantasize like, oh, maybe someday, you know, this will be a bestseller. Maybe someday they'll make a movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's all happening. <laughs> I'm like, wow, two birds, one stone. <laughs> <laughs> did you get um? opportunity to work with like the adaptation to the screenplay for the movie or um well so my only uh job on the film was to cash the check but <laughs> they they did it's an important they, role <laughs> yeah I, I i was only too happy to do it but the um they don't have to they didn't i have no power or authority or anything right they they didn't have to ask me about anything but they chose to and they involved me in the screenplay process so drew goddard wrote the screenplay he you may know him from he directed cabin in the woods he wrote yeah uh wrote a bunch of episodes of lost and buffy um he wrote the adaptation he he liked the book a lot and he and i talked a lot uh, back and forth quite a bit while he was writing it. And then they, they sent me the screenplay to get my comments. I made comments. They, they He made changes, you know. So it was cool. I was kind of involved in that process in a small way. And I'm really happy with how the screenplay turned out. I, I think it's going to be great. Uh, yeah, I was I was excited when I saw he was attached because I followed him since Buffy to Lost and then, you know, Cloverfield and Cam in the Woods. And then I saw he was attached to your your adaptation. I thought, oh, this this could be great. Yep. And uh, the cast they got for it is great. They got Ridley Scott to direct. It's awesome. They just wrapped a few days ago, actually. Did you get oh, to wow. Did you get to go to the set at all for anything? Mm-hmm. Or? No, I mean, I could have, but it's it, they were filming the set work in Budapest. <laughs> oh, so wow. That's a, that's a bit difficult for a guy with a fear of flying to right, do. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, then they did the on-location stuff in a desert in Jordan, also a bit far away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so your next book should be about teleportation. Yes. <laughs> now my next book should just take place strictly in the Bay Area. And all, all at like exterior locations like, oh, and this is in the front of the Transamerica building. <laughs> so they have to go there. So they have so to do, just yeah. follow no, they everything. just do all that with CGI and they film it in, you know, Vancouver, Beijing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah. So I'm pretty excited. They wrapped. It's post. It's all in post production now. I'm. I, I don't know when they're going to come out with the first trailer and stuff, but I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, we were speculating last night. We we hope it's soon. Yeah, we we can't wait to see anything from it because I I love the cast. Yeah. Yeah. I, yep. I'm 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 really looking forward to. If I wanted to, I mean, <laughs> they told me if I was willing to go down to L.A., I could watch some of the dailies. Like they could, I could see some of the raw footage, you know, from from the production, but. I, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also not sure if I want to see it that way. I, I think I, I'd rather just see the completed movie, you know, and, sure. in its full glory. Mm-hmm. Than... You could you could send Jenny for you. She'd be happy to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not too far away. I, I mean, getting to L.A. isn't a problem. Uh, yeah, what's what, like a six-hour car ride? I, yeah, I, I live up in Mountain View. Okay. Not too bad. You guys, so Johnny, you're in L.A., and... <laughs> 
Me and JD are in the Midwest. I'm in Wisconsin. Yeah. He's in Michigan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The the flyover states. A very worldly group. <laughs> yes, hey. we, another guy on the East Coast. So we cover all time zones except for Arizona. There you go. <laughs> They're on it's nice because I can make my state with my hand, which is the best thing I can say about Michigan right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the greatest thing about Michigan. You do the hand and then you point where the city's you at. Point where, yeah, you point. This yep. is where I live. <laughs> I, I, okay, I want it. We found this last night kind of by accident. Have you seen this fan-made Mars map of Mark Watney's path on Mars? I've seen a few of them. Yeah, like it looks like Google Earth, but Google Mars type of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I saw that. I think I even linked to it on my Facebook when the guy made it. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. He. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. It has like a spoiler warning first, and then you go in, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. That was pretty cool, and pretty accurate. Like I was like, "Yep, it looks like the maps I have here." <laughs> <laughs> I liked how the dialogue was in there too. It was it was great. You just click on the little icon. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Well, the thing that impressed me the most that of of all of all the things that the fans have done. Uh, the thing that impressed me most was a guy, uh, I can't remember his name, but he back calculated the real world dates that the Martian takes place during. Wow. Uh, so when I did it, like it really, it takes place in real world dates. I had to work them out because, um, the trajectories and stuff that they took the, the Hermes as it goes back and forth between Mars and earth, like those are real, uh, trajectories based on a craft that can accelerate constantly. So I actually calculated all those. I wrote software to do it because as a computer programmer, that's my solution to every problem is write a program. But, Absolutely. Um, so I had to choose a launch window. So I know the exact dates that the Martian takes place. Like I think Sol 6 was November 7th or uh, 12th, November 12th, 2035. And that's I didn't mention it in the book because I didn't want people to be hyper focused on that stuff, but it it is and everything's accurate, including the transmission time from Earth to Mars on different dates and stuff like that. Well, this guy um, took all the information in the book that gives any clues about when the date might be, and then correctly back calculated the dates. He's like, oh, okay, well, on Sol, you know, 214, the transmission time between Earth and Mars was 14 minutes and 17 seconds. So we know that the planets had to be that far apart at that point. And then on this other date, the transmission time was this, which means, you know, and he started like narrowing down possibilities of like what the dates could be. And then eventually he had enough information where he could prove that, oh, Mars and Earth had to have been here and here on Sol 6. And the cycles of Mars and Earth don't repeat often enough. It, it, it's basically like, oh, okay, well, it could either be 2035 or the year like 10,000-something. <laughs> uh, that's some hardcore fan dedication there. Yeah, that yeah. was awesome. I sent him a free copy. <laughs> nice. Speaking of which, though, like, even if you go to like your egg story, you get a ton of great fan stuff that pops up. Like YouTube is loaded with just people doing – videos of eggs so yeah, the egg how really do you helps. how do you feel for how, how does how does that make you feel like just oh it's the great. overwhelming fan support that's great i love that i it's that's what every author wants is to to know that people are reading and enjoying their stories and it, it's awesome and the egg really took off i mean i wrote the egg in about 40 minutes one night just i'm like here's a story okay i'm done with the story post it bye i, I <laughs> no idea that it, it that people would find it so cool and I think I owe a lot of the Martians' popularity to the egg indirectly because the egg has uh, got me enough regular readers that the Martian could take off. You know what I mean? Sure. 
we were, we were, la- well, on a nightly basis, I would shoot Dave texts going, okay, go to the site and read this story. But the one that, on a side note, that I don't know what to say, but it's awesome was um, Annie's Day. <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> it, it cycled <laughs> yeah. through our group so fast because, like, I start it to Dave and I'm like, read this right now. And then he <laughs> shoots it to somebody else. And yeah. Um, so, with that being said, it's got more of the surprise ending, kind of like your, um, was it Access? Was that the other short story? Access. We did yeah, a bunch got, of them, but. Yeah, kind of that punch ending. Um, do you prefer to write stories that way, or do you like kind of the the Martian status where you you go through the beginning, middle, and end? Well, not to cop out, but uh, I kind of like both, right? It's just um, when I come up with a cool plot twist, I think to myself, like, could this twist carry an entire book? And usually the answer is no, right? <laughs> and so if it couldn't carry an entire book, then that's a that's a good call for a short story. And my short stories tend to be super short. It's just sort of a life support system for the twist, right? <laughs> I just want to get it in, get it out. I, I guess I, I like the, um, I, I, I like writing short stories for the uh, internet attention span. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I always want to write, like what I write, I, I, I want it to be something that I myself would like to read. And if I'm, I, I don't like kind of middle length stories. I either want something that's short and sweet that I can read in just a single sitting very quickly or something that I can get immersed in and read for a long time. So I either want a very short story or a book, a 25 page short story. I just don't like it's like ah, I'm getting emotionally invested in characters that are only going to be around for 25 pages. Nah. I, yeah, I, I totally agree. Because, yeah, if I'm going to read a longer book, I want it to be something I can live with for a while. And, you know, that's going to stay with me. Um. After after I finish, uh, kind of just linking back to Martian a little bit, uh, the comic book references, uh-huh. I thought I thought were hilarious, like the Aquaman <laughs> thing, and then the Iron Man stuff at the end, uh, yeah. were awesome. Uh, are, are you a comic book fan then? Uh, I am, but I'm I'm not what you'd call like a, a proper comic book geek. I okay. mean, I, I don't I don't have the the deep deep knowledge of everything. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, I, I was into comic book. I've got a, you know, a closet full of long boxes full of comic books, you know. Uh, I'm more of a Marvel guy than a DC guy. Okay, that's fair. We're okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't do anything with the Marvel versus DC war. I think if you can enjoy them both, that's, you're better off. Believe it or not, I mean, uh, in the DC world, I actually I like Aquaman quite a lot. There was, which, you know, I'm, I'm the one guy who likes <laughs> <but laughs> But like there was a there was a run of kind of Aquaman comics right around 2007 or so where they did not a reboot, but they just did uh, like I don't know what the actual title was, but it was Aquaman something. And it they started it what they called issue one. And it was really good. The art was good. The storytelling was good. And then around episode, around issue 50 or so, they brought in like a new writer, a new, uh, new artist and like completely changed the plot and it got stupid. (laughs) I I couldn't tell you who that writer was, uh, but the most recent writer, uh, that rebooted it, Jeff Johns did a great job. Oh, okay. With Aquaman. Is this like, like what years or what Uh, year that reboots? I want to say 2011 or 12. Oh, okay. Well then I probably haven't read any of those. I should get, I should find the trades. Yeah, when he when he left that book, it really dropped. But his issues were really good, and I think he's got a hand in the the movie side. Oh, cool! 
So I think you're going to have a lot of Aquaman fans when they see Call Drago as Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do like, uh, yeah, I've, I've just always thought, I mean, people always want to fly. I think it'd be cool to be able to breathe underwater. I just think that that'd be mm-hmm. awesome. Just be able to like explore the ocean without special equipment. Oh, I'm going to go to the bottom of the ocean and see what's there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and talk to fish, but not mammals. Yes. <laughs> well, Aquaman can control whales. He can also control seagulls. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, it's interesting. And yeah. Yeah. Would you would you ever want to write a comic? Yeah, sure. Well, I did. Um, well, uh, on my, I mean, it's 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 ancient history, but on my website there was I made a comic, as in a comic strip kind of comic, a gag a day comic called Casey and Andy. I made that for several years. Um, and that's all still out there in internet land. And I also made a, just a straight up fantasy adventure comic called Cheshire Crossing. I made four issues of it. It was never in print or anything, but I used the comic book dimensions. Okay. I'm a terrible artist. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I came to realize, I'm like, I don't like making comics. I just like telling stories. So why don't I just write stories? <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's, usually it's writers working with artists, so... Right. It's hard to find an artist, though, who is willing to put out that much effort. It's True. like a, it's a huge amount of effort to, to draw a comic book. That's yeah. why that's why the pros get, I don't know, something like between 250 and 500 bucks a page, I think. Oh, I got I got to get in that business. Well, you've got to be a talented artist. I am not. I could show you my grade school Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle drawings and <laughs> we could we could put that away right away. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, okay. So comic books are out. But on your website, speaking of some of your short stories, you have some Doctor Who. Yeah, uh, I'm a fan. huge fan of Doctor Who. Is it uh, the older stuff, newer stuff, all of it? Uh, there's just the one thing there. It's called the Ramana Chronicles. And yeah. it was, it's just one four-part story. I felt compelled to break it into four parts with cliffhangers to match <laughs> the style of the classic uh, Who. And that is based on, I, I actually wrote that, I think, before the reboot even came out. So that takes place as, 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 be, <laughs> as of the, the way the universe was after the seven, or eighth, I guess, Doctor, but before the <laughs> reboot. Okay. So like before 06 or something like that? Yeah. I, well, 05 was the 05, reboot yeah. started. And uh, yeah, it's just about Ramana uh, in a TARDIS having an adventure. <laughs> I always liked Romana. She was my favorite companion. companion yeah. 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 The, I, I, I remember having the old ones on, like, I think it was on PBS all the time. Um, uh-huh. I'd have it on. I never really paid attention to it until the reboot. I'm, I'm sorry to say. Uh, <laughs> as as now a true Whovian, <laughs> I, love, I love all of it now. There uh, we go. Are you a fan of the newer stuff or just? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I like the newer stuff. Although, I got to say, I, I was really pretty disappointed in the most recent season. The, Peter Capaldi? Yeah, well, okay, so let me be clear. I think Peter Capaldi himself is great, and I think he did a good job acting the scripts that he was given, but I think the the, the stories were weak. Yeah. And I think, it, I think it's really too bad because Grumpy Old Man Doctor works great. Like, for for those of us who love the whole the whole run of the series, I mean, the first <laughs> Doctor was the the prototypical grumpy old man. Right. And and he was he was great, and Peter Capaldi you know, is, is really doing that very well. But I, I think the, just a lot of the stories have been really uninteresting. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think everybody, this, this generation fell in love with the David Tennant and the Matt Smith oh, doctor yeah. and it, that, that feel and that story type. 
And then, yeah, this season I wasn't too too impressed with. I mean, I like him and I like Claire, uh, the companion. Uh, uh, yeah, Clara. Clara. I think the performers are doing great. Yeah. I just, uh, I just don't. Yeah, I don't know. There were there were a couple of there were a couple of good stories here and there, but uh, yeah. If they had more episodes to their seasons, that's something you could take to Mars with you and watch repeatedly because <laughs> there's lots yeah. of episodes of Doctor Who. That's true. That's true. If I could take one TV show, if I could just say Doctor Who, that's <laughs> that's quite a that's quite a large collection of of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I have seen every single Doctor Who, by the way. Oh, wow. that, that's dedication. All the ones that still exist. Right. Not the lost ones. Not the lost ones. Yeah. Although the the ones they recently found, You're right. they found two two serials worth. They found like eight or nine episodes. I, I watched all of them eagerly as soon as they came out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't read Ready Player One yet, but I know JD has, so I, I have a feeling he's going to ask you about that. Okay. Literally, yeah, I was literally about to ask. So obviously, <laughs> you're a pretty big fan of Ready Player One since oh, you I, wrote a short story. Yeah, I loved it. I think I think it's probably best book I've read in a decade or so. It's it's awesome. Are you like a video game fan too, or did you just like it because there's a lot of like 70s and 80s references? <laughs> or? Uh, well, I I mean, first off, I think it's just a really good book with a good story and and an exciting mm-hmm. premise. But also, yeah, it hit me square in my generation. It, it was like that is exactly the era that I grew up in. So all these things are very nostalgic to me. Uh, yeah, so it, I I am the I am the perfect age for that for that book. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I'm I'm 20 years old and I read it and I was like, wow, this is fantastic. Like really some good. of the stuff went over my head, granted, but for the most part, I was able to catch up with it pretty good. Yeah, it's really fun. And all these detailed bits of trivia about the video games and it was, it was really good. <laughs> I know what I'm reading this weekend. Oh, I was just yeah. thinking that, too. You won't regret it, Dave. Yeah, it's going to be a quick read. Very good. I highly recommend it to anyone who likes sci-fi. And they're coming, and he's supposedly writing a sequel to Ready Player One as well. So I haven't heard about the sequel yet. He's he's working on another book called Armada, which is not a sequel. I mean, it, it revolves around video games, but it's not mm-hmm. it's not a sequel to RPO. And I get to be I, I get an advance copy when they when they send them out Ooh. because Ooh. they want they want to get a pull quote for me. You know how there's like, <laughs> but like you know uh, they'll have other writers quote on the book, and so they can. They want to go to print with those quotes already in hand, right? Very cool. So yeah. They, so they send out the 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 advanced reader copies. Even more perks to being a writer. Oh, it's awesome! I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> I, my, I, 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 I email. So we have the same editor, Ernie and I. So at we're both through the same publisher and even have the exact same editor. So I emailed my, the editor and said, like, I want. Armada. <laughs> I, want, uh, <laughs> I want. I want. I want an ARC, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we were. We were definitely going to send you one." <laughs> okay, so that's that's his next project. I have to ask, what about yours? Well, I'm working on my next book. It's uh, tentatively titled Zhek Z H E K, and it should be out in early 2016. It's a more traditional sci-fi. It's nothing to do with The Martian. It's a more traditional sci-fi. It's got faster than light travel and aliens and telepathy and stuff like that. Will there be teleportation so you don't have to fly, though? That's the real question. <laughs> no, 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 no teleportation. <laughs> but I did do I, – I, I've, I've very carefully worked out my own set of uh, made-up BS physics for – so the, th- the places where I want to violate physical law, like you know, traveling faster than light, I <laughs> – 
I carefully worked out all the physics of I, I've got my I've got my my thing. I've got my 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 cheat, my way that the laws are broken. And they say, like, OK, I want everything that breaks physical laws to be based on on that and then kind of go out from there. And so I spent a lot of time putting together the physics. I might even have an appendix in the back of the book that describes it in more detail. <laughs> How many um, are you, is it going to be just like a one issue book or is it going to be a series? Uh, Jacques is, uh, I'm planning for it to be a series, but you know, we'll see how people respond to the first book. <laughs> if, it, if it just, if people are like, well, that sucked. then I might just say like, all right, well, time to take a different tack. <laughs> On to the next. <laughs> well, the, the book has like a, you know, a, a definitive conclusion, but it, it leaves itself open for the, you know, continuing story. So I, it, it could, it could really go either way. I would like it to be a series. It'd but. be fun to have a series. I'm a big fan of like once a year a book comes out, so you yeah. have something to look forward to. <laughs> oh, I you know there'll it. always be quality that year that you're going yep. to be excited for. Yep. Well, like uh, um, my shoot, ever since the mid '90s or so, I've been just a um, avarice Terry Pratchett fan, right? Just every, every new Discworld book that came out, I'm just all over. It's like Discworld book comes out. I buy it. I read it that night, <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, but anyway, it'll, it'll pretty much be up to the readers to decide whether or not Jack is a series or a standalone book. <laughs> do you have, a, do you have a few ideas stored up or just this, just focusing oh. on this right now? No, I've got the whole, I've got the whole thing in mind. Like the, yeah. the, once again, the broad, the the big the big events. Right. I, I know I know how the whole thing's going to go, and I've got a lot of content in mind for it. I could, I've got at least three books worth of stuff, right off. Um, but it could turn out that yeah. So you know, oh, let me tell you what when you uh, when you make a book that 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 sells really well, and that's your like your first effort, then there's a lot of a lot there's <laughs> a lot of pressure to do that again. <laughs> the, the sophomore slump. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't know if I don't know if people are going to like the next one or not. I'm pretty insecure about that. But um, what what one thing that's kind of scaring me a bit is this new book is good old fashioned speculative sci-fi. It's not hard sci-fi, right? It's not like oh everything in this book is real and can be done with real science. It's you know there's some made up physics in there, and I'm worried that that could drive readers away. But I have hard sci-fi concepts too. So if it turns out Jack doesn't fly, then then I've got. Uh, then, then I can I can write another hard sci-fi adventure. Well, I can guarantee at least the three of us are going to be on board for for Zach right away. <laughs> well, you'll, yeah. you'll you'll read it. <laughs> uh, that's true. Uh, yeah, your 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 first editions are going to go pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm I'm pretty happy with the story. I think it's good. I just uh, I have no idea like whether or not people like it. It's not like some great big experimental thing. It's just a good old fashioned sci-fi novel. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna out Jenny here for a minute. Uh, oh no! I don't think she'll be upset by this. She when she was trying to sell us on the book, which didn't take much. She kept yep. talking about uh, she loved because she she did the audiobook. I think we oh. all we all did actually. Mm-hmm. Um, she tried to what she mentioned most was how how nerdy Mark gets, like all of the science facts and all of that, like the exposition type stuff of of what he has to do and all that. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to like this at all. <laughs> I just remember thinking this is going to be boring. And science was boring for me, but I enjoyed hearing all of the details, everything that went into it. I thought, well, man, he must've really worked this out. This could really happen. And it really, it put me in there like, 
okay, I'm I'm with Mark here. Let's do it. Let's survive Mars. Yeah, there was a there there was a, a credibility, I guess, to the to the science. It, it, the the reader eventually just trusted what I was saying, which is awesome. Because <laughs> <laughs> then you could slack the last three chapters and. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and also it's like it was a real balance. I was constantly worried about that. I'm like, well, okay, am I? I, I want to describe the science so I can prove that this is like you know how it would play out, and I need the reader to understand at least this much of it so they understand why this thing blew up or went wrong or whatever. But I also don't want this to read like a Wikipedia article, right? So it was it was a fine balance. The best uh, the best comment I got was from my boss at work after he got done reading it. He goes. I know more about what to do with my crap in growing potatoes than I ever wanted to know. He goes, I love the book. <laughs> Great review. And I remember in the audiobook hearing the, the, the name Schiaparelli a million times. <laughs> yep, well, Still have no idea how to spell it, but I don't think I ever will. Well, I had to spell it a whole bunch of times. Now I've got it in mu- muscle memory. I can type it. I don't know if I could spell it like verbally, but I could, I can type it. <laughs> I was so yeah. excited to see it on that map we found last night. I was like, <laughs> yep. hey, there it is. Yep. Well, it's a big crater. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted some cool feature for him to be shooting for something that you can, that anybody can find on a map of Mars and see it really easily. Um, when I, I did a, uh, I did a talk at, uh, at uh, JPL, um, like I don't know, several months ago, I did a talk there, and you know, JPL they control the the Mars landers, and they 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 control Opportunity and Curiosity and stuff like that, and uh, so they gave me a tour. I got to see their mission control room and a bunch of other stuff. It was awesome. And uh, one thing they did was they they made so they have a a, a system for showing maps of Mars. Like when they're going to have like oh let's let's have a meeting and talk about where we're going to send Curiosity next or whatever. They'll have visual aids and they'll have a map up and they'll say like we want to go from here to here and there. You know what I mean? Um, so they use that to plot Watney's travels. <laughs> and then they gave me a printout of it and it was pretty cool because it's just like it's there it's this very technical map of mars and then like motions and it looks it's just like if they were literally plotting out that motion that's what the map would look like and they they had they had uh labeled the watney triangle <laughs> <laughs> which is a collection of craters that he decided to name the watney triangle and so they're like awesome. oh there's the watney triangle <laughs> that's very cool <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, we're we're about out of time, and there's something I have to ask you. I kind of uh, there's two things I'm going to ask because <laughs> yeah, it right. came it came up in our conversation last night when we were preparing to talk to you. Uh, the, JD and Jenny have heard from coworkers and friends uh, this, this question, which I think I, I, I don't want to make fun of them. They're, they're friends and coworkers, <laughs> oh, but dear God. Th- it's I think it's an absurd question. <laughs> dear God, w- it's right. <laughs> would you ever do a sequel to The Martian? <laughs> I can't. I mean, if I could. If I could come up with an idea for one, sure. I would happily. I would love to write more Mark Watney. I mean, he, he's such an easy character to write because he's just me, basically. <laughs> I have, I have no plausible concept for how to write a sequel to that book. Right? I mean, there, there's just no way to do it because what is it? Oh, he goes on a mission, uh, some other space mission after he's 
three, and oh, wouldn't you know it, this guy is just so unlucky. Now he's <laughs> stranded on the moon. Oh, man, I cannot get a break. I, yeah, well, I don't think NASA's going to put him in a spaceship ever again. <laughs> yeah, people seem, like, genuinely interested, though, like, how, like, Mark Watney would, like, act after he got back on Earth, whether he would be, like, a rock star or, like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I, I just leave that to the reader's imagination. That would not make an interesting book, right? Yeah. Um, and then also another idea that I came up with is, okay, there's some other space emergency, and Watney is on the ground. He's he's one of the mission control people trying to help oh. solve the problem. Ooh. And that's that's a direction to go, but it doesn't it wouldn't carry the same awesomeness as him being stranded, right? He's no sure. longer in danger and he becomes mm-hmm. like almost a secondary character in somebody else's story. Right. And you're I, like it would it wouldn't feel quite as cool. But you don't want it to go the route of taking one, two, and three, where it's <laughs> just kind of absurd. And I didn't mean to say that it was an absurd idea to ask yeah. about a sequel. I think where they're coming from is they fell in love with Mark Watney and they want more. Well, um, there is one the most plausible thing to do for a sequel is, uh, to me, it would just seem really repetitive and overdone, but the most plausible sequel would be to pick up immediately after they got Mark at Mars, and they still have a 211-day trip home yeah. aboard Hermes, and the ship is, like, well past how long they should, you know, it's, it's well past its maintenance dates. They've extended the mission, like... 500 some odd days and you know so parts of the ship will be falling apart and it'd be a maintenance nightmare and then so there could be a whole bunch of macgyvery solutions to that <laughs> right i think and, i think i think there you tie into see i think uh gravity was your pre- was your prequel to yeah. to the martian <laughs> yeah. yeah but but so the problem there is well there's two things first off mark's not on his own he's just part of a part of a crew yeah. that's okay people could come people liked the other astronauts in the story so i don't think that would be a problem but it's just more of the same right it's just like the exact same thing just extended just more problem solving this time you're on a ship instead of on mars and it would kind of take away from the first book a bit by saying like, oh, so at the end of the first book, it wasn't this cathartic rescue event. It was just like, oh, now we're just starting the next phase of problems. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, it's possible, but I don't know. I just thought, OK, when I was when I was listening to it or when I'm reading it, whatever, however you want to look at it, uh, I'm like, OK, so it's all going to be through Mark's Mark's voice and his eyes and then all of a sudden we're at nasa and i'm like oh wow i didn't even expect this this is amazing and then we get to meet the astronauts and i'm like this is awesome and then when i got them you flushed them out more when they found out he's still alive and uh i thought that was amazing and i i you know all the characters i thought were great i i I enjoyed all the characters i'm a character person that's when i write that's what it is it's all about the characters uh, which probably makes the story boring, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this book. Uh, I've enjoyed talking to you about it. I know these two were like kids at Christmas when I told them <laughs> I, uh, we were able to talk to you. I, I squealed when I heard. <laughs> uh, my last question uh, before we before we let you go. Uh, so the book's called The Martian. Uh, spoiler alert to anybody that hasn't read it yet. There's no aliens in the book. <laughs> do you believe there are aliens out there? Uh, not. Uh, how do I put it? Uh, <laughs> not, not, not the kind that come and visit Earth and abduct cows. I, I, I believe that the universe is so large with so many stars and so many planets. I, I find it very difficult to believe that absolutely none of them have life of any kind other than Earth. Uh, I, I, I bet you there is some sort of 
molecule that can reproduce or something on some other planet somewhere. But I also, like, looking at the size of the universe, it could be, like, you know, literally, like, our sun could just flare out and die five billion years from now before we even can possibly communicate with any aliens. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, if there is... If you know, first off, it's got to be like, okay, what are the odds of life at all? And then from there, what are the odds of intelligent life? I mean, we went, we went on this, this planet went uh, about four and a half billion years. That's with a B, <laughs> by, uh, four and a half billion years having life, but no like intelligent life. Right. <laughs> right. So just because a planet gets life, which in itself is incredibly rare, doesn't mean that there'll be a civilization. So the shorter the shorter answer is yeah, but I I think it would be so far away we have <laughs> no hope of interacting. Even I think even if we were to find out life, uh, uh, intelligent life, like tomorrow, what's to say we'd be able to communicate with them anytime soon in whatever kind of language or tel- telepathy or however, like right. to even understand each other without the world going into a panic. Right. And also, um, when you start talking about stuff going on in other stars, it's like the speed of light, mm-hmm. which, despite how much fun it is to write to the contrary, <laughs> is a hard limit that cannot be. <laughs> we, we can't just find a wormhole and get there faster? No, I really don't think that it's. I, I don't think it's possible to move faster than light by any means. <laughs> and that's like the big filter. We're just so far apart. Yeah. Everything. I... I, I totally agree. All right. I I can't thank you enough for coming on. This has been awesome. It's been a great, Thanks great for time talking. Absolutely. And maybe we can get you on again when the movie comes out and see how you thought. Yeah. Sure. Sounds good. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Ah, bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks. All right, guys. That's it. That's our interview with Andy Weir. And I think all of us have this electricity going through us right now after that interview. Such an awesome interview. He yeah, had... I'm smiling like a schoolgirl. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad it's the it's it's night here. I mean, you guys probably still have some sun over there on the west coast, but like I I could be up for hours now. I feel like ready to go. You have the permanent smile on my face right now. <laughs> like, uh, hey. Yeah, so that was already with Andy Weir. Super awesome dude. Again, I urge you pick up this book, audiobook. Uh JD, I bet you know a good place to pick up an audiobook. Yeah, absolutely. So if you would like to go to audibletrial.com slash Atomic Geekdom, you guys will get a 30-day free trial and a free download that you can use to read The Martian right at this very second. It is amazing. Please do it. And it helps us out with doing all the stuff you love and continuing this really cool content and hopefully getting even more great people to interview with. Yes. Read this book. Listen to the Audible, uh, the audiobook, whatever you got to do. Find it. You got to read the book before the movie comes out in November. Experience it that way first. You have a lot of time to do so, but don't wait because it's awesome. Tell your friends about this interview because I think they'd enjoy it too. We talked a lot of a lot of cool stuff. Uh, favorite moments from the interview, guys? Oh man, he has a encyclopedia of geek cred. <laughs> yeah, he he leaps and bounds destroyed us. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I I was put to shame. It's okay. He blew me out of the way with any science stuff. So I was like, whatever. I'm God, God status, Andy Weir. (laughs) There you go. Um, so yeah, that was our interview with Andy Weir. We're super excited to do it. We can't wait for you guys, uh, to, to tell all your friends about this interview, about the book and get them listening and reading and then see the movie. 
make the movie a success, and then also check out his next book, Jack, when that comes out, uh, which we don't know. Uh, check him out on Facebook. He's also on Facebook. You can like him there. He puts some cool stuff up all the time, and he's got his website. Uh, JD, do you have the website up still? I do not. Jenny, do <laughs> Unfortunately. you? Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, but I can never oh, say that's, it. That's all right. Well, I'll have it in the, liner, uh, the, the show notes as well. I almost said liner notes, like this is some kind of record. Uh, yeah, our, our our LP is coming out tomorrow with some liner notes. <laughs> no, nobody. All right. Anyway, nope. Uh, over my head. So I'll put. We'll have all his cred- credentials, as it were, in the show notes below on the website, and you can see it all there. You know, follow him on Facebook and 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 all that great stuff. You can follow us on Twitter at Atomic Geekdom. Uh, Jenny, you are at Robbie Art, and JD is at. At J Freaking D. You can email the show, theatomicgeekdom at gmail.com. Give us suggestions about show ideas, things you want us to talk about, people you would like us to reach out to and interview. It seems like uh, these days everybody wants to be on Atomic Geekdom. No, I'm lying. I'm lying. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Google Plus, Stitcher, iTunes, all of those awesome venues. Uh, click the Amazon banner link at the top of the website if you're doing any Amazon shopping. If you do that, we get a little little bit of help from from that purchase it doesn't cost you anything extra and you get your fine quality amazon product as well uh in the process t-shirts are still on the website all that good stuff and uh, we got some cool stuff uh, on the website jenny was at paley fest this past weekend and i'm sure uh, she had a great time amazing and you can find all that on the website so check all that stuff out and uh guys anything else to say about this interview I'm still spinning, so that whew, so cool. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And with that uh, excitement and adulation, we'll see you guys next week.